Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans from across the country and around the world. This is Tim May with the Tim May Podcast, aptly named. Don't you think so, uh, Austin? I love it. But uh, it's yet another edition, and uh, you know we're going to get into a couple of items uh, as this goes along. But I finally, you know, we finally, I finally got to give Ryan Day his little expanded check. Yep. Uh, the proceeds of which were. Uh, my contributions and contributions from some of our listeners, generous listeners, uh, from the Tim May cut up. And uh, every time I said, uh, there for like five or six weeks, I threw a dollar into the kitty. And it ended up being, you know, Ryan Day was impressed by it. It ended up being <laughs> 500 bucks totally with the, uh, with, 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 with what I threw in and what our listeners threw in. And, yeah. and I was able to finally present my homemade expanded check to Ryan Day. The other day after practice, you know, uh, before we talk anymore, let's let's go to that video of me uh, making my presentation to Ryan Day. Hey, look who I ran into, uh, Ryan Day, head coach at Ohio State. How you doing, Ryan? Good man. How are you? Hey, pretty good, man. I just, I just wanted to drop by. You know, I've always I've been taken ever since you and your wife announced the uh, the, the fund to to basically attack, for one of another term, uh, mental wellness, et cetera, for adolescents and kids, which I think is a great uh, cause. Number one, number two. It's really taking off nationally. I know you're paying attention to that. But uh, during the middle of my podcast this first year for Letterman Row, I noticed I was saying, uh, way too much. Mm -hmm. So to police myself, I started this little thing where every time I said the word, uh, I had to put a dollar in my cup up. <laughs> and, uh, and then I asked some of our, our uh, listeners, watchers, whatever you want to call them, to, if they wanted to match it or if they wanted to give me a little percentage or something, send it in. We had quite a few do that. And so that's why I'm here today. I want to present you with this $500 check. Oh, wow. First installment. Unbelievable. To the Ryan and Christina Day Fund. And it's by the Tim May Podcast listeners. That is really cool. And as I said, the memo here is for a great cause. Well, that's and, great. Uh, well, thank uh, you very, very now, much. Of course, this Thanks for everybody. Yeah, this isn't redeemable. The money's already been sent to your fund. But <laughs> well, that's great. Was, and I just want to just take your time here for yeah. a minute. Uh, how has that been accepted? I mean, uh, how's that? What, what's been the reaction of, from you getting involved with that? Yeah, thing? well, it's, it's you know, obviously it's a very hot topic right now. It's the second leading killer of adolescents and teenagers throughout the country. Yeah. And, um and so it's very, very serious, and I, and I only think it's going to continue with just the way the generation has, um, you know, developed. The, you know, this this generation, the next one coming with social media, with just uh, the amount of information that these kids have to process on a daily basis. You know, I saw a statistic uh, the other day that said, you know, these kids now process more information in one day than they used to in a whole lifetime, yeah. 200 years ago. And so there's a lot of uh, things and side effects that come with that. And a lot of that has to do with, with the mental part of it. So, um, you, know, we, you know, I've obviously, I lost my, my father to suicide and, you know, Nina, you know, has had people in her family and it's just something that we all deal with. And um, the one thing that I like about it is everybody has mental health. Yeah, you know, and, and we all have different things. And um, I heard Alex Fisher talk the other day at the opening of the uh, Behavioral Health Pavilion downtown uh, in Columbus, uh, with Big Lots opening that up, which will be the first of its kind in the country. Um, you know, he said, you know, if, if someone, if I said to you, my daughter had cancer, they'd give me a hug. If I said my daughter has schizophrenia, they, there'd be an awkward silence. And, yes. and until that changes, uh, we're, we're not going to be where we need to be because we're very behind in this area. And so uh, just something we're an advocate for. And, and I think seeing what B.B. Landers is doing and speaking out is, is really says a lot. And um, So there's a lot that goes with it, but we just want to make sure that it's a place where our guys can have conversations about that and feel safe saying that I need the help. Yeah, you never know who you're going to touch. That's right. Or reach out to uh, how important is it, though, for 
for guys like you to get involved in something like this? I mean, other than just an average Joe, you're the head coach at Ohio State, one of the top programs in the country. You know, people listen to you. Do you feel that power, too, that you've had an effect? Well, I think uh, it really hit me, certainly when I became the head coach, that the, the impact and platform that Ohio State offers. And uh, I, I wanted to make sure that I left something behind uh, when I'm done. Everybody um, you know, who comes through has an opportunity to do that. And certainly winning games is important, but having an impact on people in the community is something that's really important. And people have been unbelievable to Nina and I, and we want to make sure that uh, hopefully it's again in 20 years, but there's something left behind. And I'm hoping that you know, the mental health in Columbus and Ohio is better than uh, you know when we leave than, than when we got here. And, Hopefully that's after a long time, but uh, but I think a football coach, football players, uh, in something like this where typically it's rough and tough, and you know you don't talk about things like that. I think for everyone out there to see in Buckeye Nation that you know our guys, I, every, everyone goes through these type of things, and it's okay to talk about it yeah. and breaking the stigma that it's mental weakness. It isn't. It's something that we all need help with. Hey man, I pr- truly appreciate nah, it. No, thank and you, man. By the way, I hope there's keep, more, more yeah, where that's come from. Yeah, keep man. all those uh, verbal pauses up and see if we can keep this thing rolling. You got uh, that's me. That's Tim May. Thank you very much, Ryan. All man. right, thanks. You know, Ryan's a different dude. Do you agree, Austin? He he very much is, and he seemed, you know, uh, I don't touched that yeah. you thought enough about using that uh, your podcast to give money to his charity after a year and that like maybe eventually that'll wear out for him since he's only been a head coach for one year and all that responsibility is is new to him and you know the media obligations and running charities he's not been you know doing it for 20 30 years like urban meyer did and and that's i think for urban he's maybe rediscovered a little bit of that passion now that he's lost the the head coaching part but you know ryan day he is different he he channels a bunch of energy into uh, the things that he's passionate about, and one of them is this cause and and mental, uh, you know, yeah, mental health, mental basically, he- mental health yeah. and wellness and and children as well. Just because you know he's he what he dealt with in his own life and and he as he told you with with Nina and her experiences, it's you know it's really cool. I mean, it's unfortunate that he has to be that invested in this particular you know cause. Yeah, uh, not gonna like try and you know sugarcoat it that way, but it's yeah. He's um, and all the players too that we've talked about. Just the way that he gives them space to deal with that, like Robert Landers last year, and and him coming out and talking about his own issues with depression, uh, and the yes. way that he devotes resources at Ohio State, not just with Nationwide Children's, but uh, it's a different mindset. He's kind of, I think, offensively we talk about him in the mind that he has for football, but he's kind of a new age coach when it comes to the all inclusive off the field stuff as well. I was going to say, it's called being aware of, of stuff that's going on right. other than just inside the the uh, hallowed halls <laughs> of the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. But, but yeah, I've, I've been impressed. And, you know, and, and the point is, it, it's really drawing attention to what is a massive, has long been a massive problem out there, but people didn't want to talk about. And, yeah. uh, you know, it, whenever, you can, whenever you can feel like it's the norm to seek help, as opposed to abnormal, you don't feel as abnormal. And yeah. uh, and it really, you know, uh, it really, I, I think it's a great cause. And that's why I wanted to make my uh, my cut up about it. I got to come up with another scheme maybe for this coming season because uh, it would bankrupt me. <laughs> well, well, you set the bar high with $500 for year one. Ryan Day seemed <laughs> yeah. genuinely uh, appreciative of that. Uh, we'll see. Now, now we're heading into year two of the Tim May podcast, year three at Letterman Row. So, I think that uh, you know what I'm waiting that'll for. That'll be the baseline from here on 
You know, I'm waiting for is for uh, our owner Will Crawl to announce my new contract and raise because <laughs> we don't do we don't have uh, PR announcements, yeah. PR blitzes like Ohio State does. I want to ask you. Uh, and and by the way, uh, if Ryan Day was right, he'd tax these uh, these coaches, you know, based on their <laughs> based on their raises. But uh, as we all know by now, <clears throat> Ohio State uh, has revealed what the new coaches' salaries are, and just defensively alone. I think if I did my math right, they've got $4.7, $4.8 million into the assistant coaches on defense, starting with Kerry Combs coming back and enjoying quite – I know he's got a pay raise compared to what he's making at ten, the Tennessee Titans, but $1.4 million to be the defensive coordinator. Greg Madison and Larry Johnson each making, what, $1.133 million. And, uh, and then uh, uh, Matt Barnes, I think, is at 500000 or, or right at that four four fifty thousand, and then Al Washington Jr. at five hundred fifty thousand, I think is the number, right along that number. But that's just defensive coaches. Kevin Wilson gets raised to uh, just over the million dollar mark at one point. What was it? One point one or one point one point one two one one point two. And this is what I'm getting to here is they've got four coaches now, assistant coaches, <laughs> making. Well over $1 million. Uh, anything that's got a point and a one by it is well over the way I look at it. When you consider that that one is $100,000. But yeah. I don't know. It really, it really here's makes my, it here's look my, small. Here's my take on it. There were like 24 coaches, I think, last year around the country, 24 assistant coaches making at least $1 million. And Ohio State had how many? Uh, one, right? Last year? Yeah. Greg Madison, right? I think that he was alone because Jeff Halfley yeah. wasn't at that mark. And, and, uh, well, Greg and, Madison, Greg Madison was it? Yeah. yeah, and Greg Schiano had moved on, but he was the he was the first, I think, to jump over the million dollar mark. Right. Uh, now there are four. I guess number one, you think they're deserving, uh, and then if they're deserving, then where does this stop? <laughs> well, or does it I ever mean, stop? And you you know this as well as anybody uh, from having been around Gene Smith for a long time, but even just the nine years that I've been covering Ohio State, even when I got here, there was still this this hesitance, this principled stand, Ohio State's not going to take part in the arms race. <laughs> I They're- quoted him on that at one point. And as a matter of fact, I got him by cell phone. He was out at the uh, the Memorial Tournament that one year when there was a little bit of a, a bidding war going on. I can't remember the assistant coach, but basically, hey, let him go. And and that so that doesn't happen anymore. Right. And, you know, Gene Smith is still not going to ever – wholeheartedly embrace the fact that you have four assistant coaches making million dollars on one staff. But look, there's really no choice. As much money as a football program brings in, and if you want to stay competing at the top of the Big Ten, you look at where Ohio State you know, sort of fell behind before Urban Meyer arrived late in the Trestle era. I think part of that is you saw co- coaches that were more willing to leave. They're going to take raises. That there's not, there's not an option really for an Ohio State coach at this point to take a lateral move to get a raise in terms of title. The well, that only, was Urban Meyer's point all along, too. You can't uh, let that happen. Right. You, you can't. And that's why, you know, we talked about Mike Yersich a lot uh, and, and people that want to chalk that up as him just taking a raise. That's why I think this underscores the fact that that was a mutual move there because Ohio State is more than willing to pay for truly elite coaches and the coaches that they want to stay. And, you know, having four of them now at, at the million-dollar mark when it was – only three or four years ago when it was this grand unveiling of the first time Greg Schiano crosses the million-dollar mark and, and then Ryan Day follows behind. Uh, you, that's what you have to pay 
But now Ohio State's not just doing it for coordinators. Larry Johnson, I think we know how valuable he is to that unit. He's, He's the assistant coach. head coach, yeah. though, you know, and he well, <laughs> or associate head coach. I get those mixed up. It's, <laughs> but. He, his value to the overall oh, yeah. defense. He doesn't have to call the plays. Everybody knows he's running his kingdom down there with the Rushmen. No, let me interrupt you with something. Uh, I have no qualms with this from the standpoint of I know that like Corey Dennis, for example, he's the lowest paid coach on the staff, the new quarterback's coach. He's making $300,000. Uh, bottom line is last year's a quality control assistant. He might have been making what, 60 or 70 maybe? Yeah. I mean, but but I remember when Urban Meyer was a GA at Ohio State his first year. I think he bar- I don't think he I don't even think he made his cost of living. No, well, Corey so, Dennis told us a, a really a cool story on signing day about how you know when you come when he came in to be a graduate assistant. I mean, these guys do have to go to school when you're taking that role, right? And he also had to pay for it, right? So he had to pay Ohio State. He's coming in from out of state. You know, didn't have his residency yet as a, as a member of that first family. So he's paying to go to school. He's basically he's not getting enough back from his stipend to be a GA to cover that. So he's basically paying his own way to get on the staff yes. and be a coach and get that experience. So, you know, when you finally become a full-time guy, that's a big deal. And you but should be paid that but way. But here's where I'm going with this. I have no qualms about guys making more money. I mean, that's, what, that's the American way. Yeah. Although the stock market might show you something different this week, <laughs> uh, even as we even as we uh, record this, I'm out in the side of the room over here is a, is a showing of the uh, the stock market uh, doing its Stuka dive bomber impression uh, uh, here as this week starts. But I digress. But where do you go to where you just kind of like flaunting in the face that they, you know, that players shouldn't share more of right. the largesse of college football because you know. One of those things is when when you were talking about that Gene Smith quote, you know, or the Gene Smith talking about not letting them go, not getting into this arms race. That was before the Big Ten network money really kicked in. Mm-hmm. Now the Big Ten network money gives them a lot of monopoly money. I mean, you, I mean, I, heck, just the just the amount of money that coaches around the country are being paid not to coach guys who've been fired in recent times is mind boggling. Uh, but when should the players, maybe the guys who really Put it all on the line. When should they share more in the largesse? I, I think they. I like saying the word largesse. I don't know if you noticed. Yeah, I, I love it. I think that they should, and there's clearly still money to go around. Ohio State's doing some sort of creative accounting to say that the football program is not making money. We all know that that's not how it works uh, over there in that building. But you know, in some form or fashion, I, I do get the administration argument that they are compensated quite well with the cost you know the value oh, of the yeah. scholarship like I, and i it's a lot better than it was yeah for sure and yeah. i i completely get that i also see you know increasingly jordan fuller has has spoken about this a number of times yeah um and, and done you know papers and, and presentations and talked to the media about you know the opportunities that they could have and i think that they should definitely have that i don't i think it does get tricky if you're talking about the school paying them as if they're employees but i mean i I was paid by the school when I was writing for the newspaper, the branding iron at the University of Wyoming. So it's not like they can't do that and yeah. take taxes out. But you know, it yeah, does I got o- paid by the Leonard. It man. does open it's good up good money. Actually, it does open up all <laughs> these other things that you have to monitor, and you know, the ta- the taxable part of it comes into play. But that's way above my pay grade to determine it. Yeah. I, but I, you can't sit there with a straight face and say Ohio State's coaching staff is worth eight million dollars this year. Uh, they're in the top three in the nation. If nothing else changes, I think that's 
Yeah, they'll be yeah. second or third. Um, There'll be some change. You'll see some other people pop up. Right. But yeah. you, you just can't you can't say that there's not enough money for them to go around because they're making 30, 40, 50 million from the Big Ten Network in those deals, whatever their Nike deal is currently. I don't even, you know, that's yeah. that's multi-millions every single year. You know, what's year. interesting, though, is this year, uh, I think this is going to be the first year where Rutgers and Maryland get a full share. And that's going to, I'm not sure the pie has gotten that much bigger. Well, it's about uh, to. Yeah. I'm, yeah. <laughs> but but it hasn't. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. not, I'm, you know. It will be interesting to watch the accounting as it goes along uh, this year, at least for the Ohio State Athletic Department, because they've got a few projects going on, et cetera. They're building that huge new Ty Tucker uh, tennis indoor facility. Ty Tucker tennis uh, indoor facility. You need to come up with another T there. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, and different things are going on there. They want to build a new, uh, I think, a lacrosse stadium, dedicated lacrosse stadium, which the figures I heard is going to cost – well more than the Astrodome did when it was first built, you know. But that was 1960s. It was a little bit of inflation. That was 1960s dollars, but still, I mean, the Astrodome was 24 million. That's still a lot of money in my book, unless you're, you know, into college football uh, uh, coaching. But uh, but I digress. But but here's the thing, and we've got to talk about this before, before we move on, because I do want to get into Master Teague and the other running back situation. Uh, the thing about paying players that people don't see the forest for the trees, I do believe, is if you do get into a deal where everybody gets a certain amount extra over and above what they're getting now, the uh, cost of going to you know the cost of going to school, et cetera, yeah. stipend. It won't be five years later. It won't be even that long until guys will have representatives who will be saying, "Well, wait a minute, you know, let's say I'm representing Justin Fields." <laughs> I'm worth more to you than Gunner Hoke is. Right. Right? Yep. Put up or shut up. I mean, that's where it goes once you once you open that box and you know, and you can say, Well, you can always leave and go to the NFL. Okay. They can make that argument, but that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about just where you are now and what is fair for where you are now, the jeopardy you're putting yourself in. Yeah. Uh, to help make keep this money train going for the school, and that's you know, and and then I look back on the guys who helped build this, you know, put it on their shoulders and built it, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, you go all the way back to Chick Harley and then come on forward, yeah. and uh, the the beating he took just to make Ohio State a viable concern <laughs> in major college football. If you yeah. follow my drill, yeah. so where does it all start and end? I mean, uh, you know, there'll be reparations, you know, for those players from way back in the past. So, you know, that's the Pandora's box you open if you ever go to actually pay for play. I think that's really why the name image and likeness leg- legislation is going to be so key because that market will correct itself. And yeah, after and an early bump, there probably will be. And I, I People that have this argument that say what's going to really benefit this team and that team and, and the haves will get richer or maybe a major market will jump up because it'll have more sponsors that pay. Well, the, the example that's used all the time is like Northwestern. Well, Chicago's going to be able to fund it. Well, are there suddenly going to be a lot more Northwestern football fans in Chicago? No, that will not change. There are going to be more Ohio State fans in Chicago. The big you time, might actually see a Chicago car dealership. But here's the here's the problem: the big time programs and people have thought about it, have thought this through. The big time programs, like in Ohio State and Alabama, a Texas, uh, almost every well half the SEC schools. I don't yeah. want to put them all in the same under the same blanket. 
Uh, well, they would. I think every one of them but one would be willing yeah. to compete on this stage. But here's the point. You'll be able to put together packages for these guys, implied packages for recruits yeah. and their and their families, uh, that if he comes here, you know, look at this image and likeness of sign an autograph situation. <laughs> you know, uh, we can almost we can almost guarantee he's going to make X amount over and above what he's getting from the school. So, but how is it? But it, to me, it's no different. It doesn't. It Ohio State is always going to be Ohio State, and so yeah. all the other stuff. Alabama is always going to have that. Yeah. Clemson is always going to have it. It may help a couple schools. You know, if you if Tennessee really needs to turn the tide, and it it bumps up the you know the car dealerships there in Knoxville. Or, yeah. Uh, you know, whoever else in the you know if they have if Jimmy Haslam wants to reinvigorate Tennessee football down there and get flying the J man every flying J you'll go like, through there it'll be a Tennessee like, player sure that could happen but guess what if Tennessee wanted to push the envelope now they still could yeah and that's you oh know, I know but the point the point my point is like I think the concern over that that it'd be out of control and it would only help these schools and if you don't have the ability to give them like that's already true. Even if you offered somebody a million dollars a year to go to Washington State, if the quarterback is down to Ohio State and Washington State, that's not a million dollars isn't going to change anything. Yeah, I don't. I maybe it would. I agree. I agree. The cat, but the chasm is going to get much wider and between. F- and that's between fine. them. Look at look at the teams that have been in the playoff. There's not exactly a lot of variety happening already. Yeah. But yeah. anyway, that's it's more like. Yeah, it's not like a chasm. It's more like a peak. Yeah. And everybody else is trying to climb the mountain. That's my very uh, rudimentary economics take for now, the day. Now, speaking of that, you know, like I said, uh, players, talk about a segue. Players put themselves in jeopardy. As I've, you've heard me say a million times, uh, auto racing and football have the same thing in common. When you strap on the helmet, you're in jeopardy. Yeah. Uh, because that means you're going out and you're going to go full speed. And uh, we saw another example, like I was talking about, you know, about players being uh, uh, whether they should share in the largesse. But here's Master Tigg third first day of spring football last week, yep. and boom, his Achilles pops. Not even getting hit. Yeah, undergoes surgery, has, has already been repaired, the way I understand it, and uh, is now on the, up, on, the, on the comeback trail. And let's just hit on history first. We saw Tough Borland go through this in 2018, come back and play in the season. Uh, we saw – Justin Hilliard do this last year, come back and play, kind of get his act together about, you know, by act together, I mean get feeling uh, you know close enough to playing yeah. ability, middle of the season or early in the season, middle of the season, and, and on and got better as the year went on. Uh, this is not a, you know, fix kind of surgery like an arthroscope. They go in there, you know, the you know for example, the Achilles tendon looks like, Basically, it looks like a mop or looks like a spaghetti when they go in there to work on it and to put it back together, to rebundle it, et cetera, whatever they do uh, to get you ready to sound like a doctor, don't I? But talking to layman. We're, we're uh, talking about some stuff that's way above our. But normal. the bottom line is, it's it's not an easy fix and it's not an easy comeback. And the key is being patient those first couple of months, not pushing it, et cetera. But but the but the idea that Master Teague the third is going to be ready. By the start of preseason camp is, I think, far fetched. Uh, I don't think anybody's actually said that. I think one coach may have hinted at that. Everybody kind of ran with it. But what, here's what, a, what Kevin Wilson said was, "I'm always optimistic." Right. And he tried to he tried to walk it a little bit back. But the fact that he said, 
He was optimistic that, that Master Teague might be ready for the season. A lot of people ran with that last week. Right. I, I, I basically ignored what Kevin Wilson had to say because we got a, a different, you know, more official uh, take on it coming later on yeah. in that day. But, you know, the part that he was stressing was optimistic because some guys take, you know, just throw out the window that he did, which was six months. So from March 2nd, 3rd, whatever actual day it was last Monday, I don't, I'm having a hard time keeping track, but okay. Yeah. So March until the end of uh, August, well, that you're probably not going to, you're not going to participate in the summer. You're not going to participate in training camp. And then he's supposed to be uh, ready to go play. Running yeah. It's back basically five State. or six months before you can, before you could really, really start putting any. And the other part that he said, cause Kevin Wilson's done this as, as a head coach and, he, right. and he's had to deal with the trainers and all that stuff. Like, I don't think he was getting, he's not the guy that gets the direct feedback at Ohio state. That's right. Ryan Day's job. It's coming to his desk. and But he just ballparked six months. And some guys use less and some use more. Right. Like, you don't know exactly. There's no way to nail down a timeline on this exact day. Yeah, and toughness, toughness doesn't have a whole lot to do with it the way it's been explained to me. I mean, it's, you know, it's just when does it feel right. And a running back, you know, I mean – I mean, you talk him. about tires being important, you know, on a car, a running back, his feet, his ability, his lower legs are just, well, they're, you know, it's va- they're essential for anybody who runs, but for a running back making cuts, et cetera, exploding off the ball. And, and, and the thing about it is, you know, I think maybe now they're kind of wondering, well, you know, what, what could cause all these, well, they haven't had that many Achilles. It's just been ironic that they've had an Achilles each of these three springs and, uh, and to, to a key person. Yeah. Somebody and somebody asked me about that last week. Is there is this some sign of uh, you know should there be panic or a sign of concern that they've had one three years in a row with Tough Borrow and Justin Hilliard now Master Teague? Well, one out of eighty five is you take that you're going to have an injury. Yeah. Um. It just so it's coincidental more than anything to me. I don't think there's I a way that Mickey Marotti could tweak the off season program if they had five Achilles injuries. Uh, and five last year and five the year before, you'd say, whoa, what the hell is going on here? Yeah. But one out of 85, they're, they're fluke deals. And well, people have, do, people have train, to ask, yeah. people have to bring it up because it's, it does sound like a, it, it does sound like a trend, <laughs> but it's only, yeah. if it's just one, you know, you can almost live with that unless it's Justin Fields and then you're going, wait a minute. <laughs> then you have a problem. But I, I just think, I don't think that it's anything more than coincidence yeah. because it's such, that's, that's a, it's a fluke deal for Master Teague. It's a fluke deal for Tough Borland. It's like one out of 85 is okay. It's going to happen. You'd like, I mean, if you, you're going to have somebody who gets a, a long-term injury in spring. It happens everywhere, every year. Have one guy. It is, it, it's, right. you know, it's unfortunate that it happened to be located just on the Achilles for these guys, but would it have, you wouldn't say there's a disturbing trend for spring ball if there was one broken leg you know, one torn ACL and then one Achilles. Right. That's just, I'm with you. That's just the way it I'm went. with you hundred percent. I just want to see what you'd say, man, you know, <laughs> testing uh, me out. But yeah, I think there, I will say this about the timeline. You would hear an Achilles injury several years ago and you would automatically say that's a, that's a 12 month deal. That season is over. Yeah. I don't think as we're sitting here, we're not saying master Teague is definitely out for this season. Count on him getting a red shirt. He could, he could come back. Here's what all I'm saying. Master Teague, the third, Barring miracles, probably. That's the best way of term, 
determined. He's not going to be a hundred percent when preseason camp starts. Correct. Not going to be a hundred percent when the season starts. We saw tough Borland, but you know, I remember in 2018 when uh, when we were all sitting there, we were barred from practice, and all that stuff was going on with the Urban Meyer suspension and the hearings that they were doing with everybody. And I would sit over at the uh, I called it the Fair Fawcett Center. I'd sit at the Fawcett <laughs> Center, and uh, and I. Because it sits up the parking lot set up where I could actually kind of see through over the top of the fence yeah. and kind of watch a little bit of practice. And I remembered watching. This is that is how messed up my life is, ladies and gentlemen. That's what I was doing. This is but, this is why you won't find anyone who's ever been better on this beat. But but I'm watching. Tough Borland was working out all by himself on the side of the field while everybody else was practicing. And then he stayed. It was it was remarkable to me because he would stay after practice and do these like sort of agility drills. And so this is as preseason camp is going. Yep. I mean, I'm not going to get into tough Borland, the tough Borland equation again, because we get a lot of like pros and cons from people <laughs> re- respond. But That's the fact that day. that guy played that season was never 100%, no. but did play, and I thought played fairly effectively, <laughs> you know, and what – Let's don't get into that. Okay. Well, people get. We can't. Right. I don't care if as, people care. As you people, said, but 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 that's where he was. Yeah. And that's one of the toughest guys you're ever going to run into. I don't keeps his mouth shut and just goes about his business. Master Teague is a lot like that in terms of keeping his mouth shut. Is always working his rear end off, according to the coaches yeah. and players, his fellow players. Uh, we'll see where he ends up when I'm peeking over the fence in August. What's Master Teague the Third doing? You, know? you shouldn't have given away the spot that you use. Uh, yeah. We're going to put a screen up. In well, the- here's the, here's what I always say about stuff like that. You know, you know if you if you've been covering Ohio State football or something, and you haven't dis- discovered that you're not really trying. <laughs> you know what I mean? Those guys, I have the guys who are always griping about things when Absolutely. they don't go wrong. You you know you. That's why I don't. That's why I like to stay off the interstates a lot because. When the road's blocked ahead on a regular road, you can make a U-turn or, or make a left-hand turn and go somewhere else, right? Yeah. And still get the job done. Still get the job done. But uh, but, but we, yeah. had a, we had a lot of challenges doing that in twenty. But you know what? I'll be interesting in peeking over the fence and seeing, so to speak. And they'll probably have big shrouds up there now. Uh, <laughs> how's Marcus Crowley doing? There's the guy. He's coming back from a knee injury. Might have had a shoulder injury too. Along with that, they may have uh, touched up too when they were when they were touching him up. But yep. not getting to practice this spring, I think his re rise is important. Still, Chambers, if he gets through spring, okay, you know he's almost by default your number one guy, right? Coming out of spring, unless unless they do make a a move and get Demario McCall back there, it doesn't seem like that's where they're headed right now. They like his versatility at that hybrid back. Uh, but just what's your take on that? Well, I expected DeMario to instantly go back to running back like I think many people did last week, and that that didn't really happen from what we saw, at least of that Wednesday practice. He was still stretching and working with those wide receivers. Well, let, let me interrupt you, but here's the thing. This is what people – it's called a panic situation if you do that because they want him to learn his new position. They think they're going to be okay at running back yeah, in do. the fall. So it's like he's got a lot to, lot to learn from where he is and people don't understand that he he should know the the running back playbook uh running back plays at this point yeah. but go ahead yeah and so i mean and kevin wilson i this is what i addressed first of all with him was not about the timeline fatigue because i know he's not going to be there in the spring and i know crowley's not going to be there so what does ohio state want to do about the reps right now to be ready for the season and yeah. because you cannot just give steel chambers every spring rep right unless you want another 
guy on the shelf with injury from overwork. You can't you can't do that. So I thought McCall would would be an option there, and and for some certain days he probably will be as they tweak you know the way they they call plays and the way that they practice. Another guy he named was uh, one of your favorites from last season, Mitch Rossi, this walk on who's done a lot. He's floated around. Uh, he's playing tight end and fullback. Um, and can do some things as a blocker. Fullback. Well, he's. I mean, Kevin Wilson used <laughs> that. that just came out of your mouth. He Kevin used Kevin Wilson called. Him I know. That. And and for him, like, yeah, he probably would be more yeah. of a fullback. You're not going to let. Thank Mitch God Ross- they're finally admitting that they yeah. use a fullback when, in this office now, even though they don't have one. Kevin Wilson has always admitted that he likes the fullback. When you're shifting that tight end and he's standing. That's why he likes that 12 personnel because yeah, it's not really two tight ends. It's a fullback yeah. and a tight end. When you're standing two yards away in the backfield from running back, you are a fullback. So but he said, that, you know, that's a guy in high school who played some running back. They could give him carries, and he knows the playbook. They could yeah. get through the year. And he also brought up Jalen Gill, who is another person that I've talked about a ton, and it didn't work out last year. But he played running back, and he can fill that role if they need to. Once you get to summer and Marcus Crowley is back, I think that he has the highest J.K. Dobbins type potential. I don't think he's ever going to run for 2,000 yards. I don't mean to make that. But yeah. I mean, I just mean the all-around game where he could catch passes out of the backfield. He's going to be able to handle every run that they need, and he's tough enough and willing enough to stand in there and pick up a couple blitzes. I think he does that potentially better than Master Teague, and that was going to be a fascinating competition between those two at the top. That's that's not going to happen now, but you still have to wait to see when exactly is Marcus Crowley healthy with that knee. They think it's going to be by August, and then he still has 20-plus practices at that point. Right. The other part that I think that I tried to remind last week, anytime that there was a show or, or when I wrote about it last week, Ohio State was not going to just have Master Teague be the sole focus of the rushing attack. Right. So when, when you're talking about – a panic move with DeMario, the reason they, they're they not doing that is because Ohio State was always going to do several things. One, Justin Fields has to run more. He was going to do that. They have more security behind him at quarterback. He's he's healthy. He's got everything under his belt from a year in the system, and he's just too explosive not to use him. So that was going to happen. They have guys that they want to use more with those jet sweeps and the pop passes that they didn't do last year because they didn't need to because they had J.K. Dobbins. Right. So some of those touches were not – they weren't all just going to go to Master Teague. They weren't all, they're not all going to go to Marcus Crowley if he's a starting running back or Steel Chambers. Some of those are going to go to DeMario. Some of those are going to go to Garrett Wilson coming out if he's playing in that H. Some of those are going to, you know, maybe go to Jamison Williams on, on end arounds and fly sweeps. That part of the offense is going to come back more from 2018 to help the rushing attack. Those things were going to happen no matter if Master T got hurt or not. I want to tell you something, though, man. When I look at that, the core, the middle part of that offensive line with Harry Miller, mm. which I projected, yep. uh, at left guard, uh, Josh Myers at center, Wyatt Davis at right guard, you got it. I mean, you got to keep that just a gap attacking. Uh-huh. I mean, well, a gap attacking is what you do defensively, but I'm, you could do it offensively, too. That's got to be part and parcel to this offense because, uh, man, if they could just – and that's where Master Teague the third I thought was really going to really make this different from last year because they've got some real bulldozers mm-hmm. up front. Jonah Jackson was like that too, as good a finisher maybe uh, as we've seen almost since Orlando Pace from the standpoint of staying on a guy. Uh, but, you know, this, 
they're going to figure out a way to run a power running game because they've got the the equipment up front to make it happen. Yeah. And so I am, even though you know me, my 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 credo, if I was an offensive coach, uh, would be when in doubt, air it out. It's always been my credo because the passing game has the least resistance if you can protect. Mm-hmm. You know, but they've still got to stick with that because they've got all the wherewithal. This is going to be another outstanding offensive line, barring a couple of injuries. Agreed? And it the would, depth it is there. Than, it would take more than a couple, yeah. which is the real change. The depth is there. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, the depth is there. I mean, Enoch Vamahi is one of those guys I've got my eye on right now. You know, uh, He seems to have moved around a few people in the, in the sense of uh, the consciousness of the coaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Nicholas Petit Freer in Paris, that little battle where we're going to see uh, one guy – Named after a French town, the other guy with a French name. I was just putting that together. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> wow! You know, you got your, uh, you got your the French connection. Yeah, the Allied front there, but uh, the what what they call that? The, uh, uh, the anyway, I won't get into that. It didn't work anyway. The Maginot Line. <laughs> that Maginot Line did not. work. It should have been at the end. It should have been the imaginary line, but the but but I digress. It was a little, it was a little too stationary. That I, I digress. Line. And Thayer Munford played banged up all year last year. And he looks, he looks like the real deal again out there. Right. I know. See, I'm, I'm always looking at the linemen or the ones that set the tone. You've heard me say that a million times. The difference between what you see out in the parking lot when people are throwing the football on a football Saturday and what you see on the football field, the difference is those offensive and defensive linemen. I think this offensive line has the wherewithal to be outstanding. So you can't just put the idea like I would do, win it out, air it out. You can't just do that. You've got to ground and pound and the thing that the thing that we saw in 2018 was that statistically over the course of the year the running game looked fine but yeah we, but we know in short yardage and red zone situations they weren't there. able to get the, t- the tough yards so I think probably you know Ryan Day was part of that he helped you know coordinated that offense and they know but the, re- the real reason I think that there were struggles with that power rushing attack in short yardage situations was that Dwayne Haskins didn't want to run and there was, you know, a good reason. They tried to ac- account for that with those tape packages, which didn't work because everyone then knew what was coming. Right. So Justin Fields is, as we've said a bunch of times, he's not quite what Dwayne Haskins was as a passer, but he's pretty darn close. But he's also way up here when it comes to both willingness and athleticism as a rusher. So he's going to change that. And whoever you put alongside him in the backfield, I would say is going to be effective because – of the element of fields and because of the offensive line that you mentioned. So the tape packages, I'm just still laughing about, I'm still laughing about the tape packages. How ineffective it was. And everyone was clamoring, clamoring for it. And I'm like, well, you know what though? That can work if you actually, if you actually dedicate yourself to it. I mean, Taysom Hill, what's his his name? You know, know, New Orleans. I mean, they, you know, but you got to throw a little bit out of it, which he did a few times. But you got to give the ball to somebody else a few times too, you know. That's yeah. that's what that's what sets it apart. Is yeah. if there is an actual option there. But I'm with you. I mean, uh, you know. But but you look at the quarterbacks they've got now. I mean, you, well, I think what you saw is you don't want to run Justin Fields too much because you saw what happened in mop almost mop up time. Yeah. He still got hurt. I mean, that's that guy's still your linchpin. Not that they can't win with with maybe Gunnar Hoke or C.J. Stroud or Jack Miller. But that guy is what makes you different. That guy is what puts you in the elite category of teams going into the season. And I think you know what you saw is that what a lot of what Ohio State wanted to do and, and will want to do is that 
the zone read is still just going to be part of college football. Yeah. You know, probably forever. I'm not sure that there's oh, yeah. ever going to be a great adjustment. Cats out of the bag. And so, you know, with, if Dwayne Haskins was in there, well, all anybody did was just dared him to make the read and keep it himself. And he didn't want to do that. And as that became clear, that became less part of the option. I remember in the TCU game that year, just thinking way back, it was so wide open. Yeah. He could if, if it was legal in the NFL, he could have crawled into the end zone yeah. on his knees. So that's, that's pretty gonna, funny. He could have. That's not going to happen with Justin Fields in the backfield. No one is going to dare Justin Fields to keep the football and run away from them with his speed. Right. So, you know, he he's the X factor to all of this. And you're absolutely right. And I, I was just, you know, thinking about this the other day. You, you're not going to want to ever go back to the level of carries that JT Barrett and Braxton Miller had. They're not going to rely on Justin Fields to do that because of the risk of injury and also because he's such a good passer, you know, and you have those guys you want to get involved. He's on a different level than those uh, Braxton and JT were. But you also can't go to the level where Dwayne or, you know, was barely running and that element is gone from the offense. What Justin Fields gives you is that he can do everything that this offense was designed to do. He can do it, and he will do it. Yeah. And that's going to help the running backs, whoever it winds up being. To, but to hit the panic on the ground game, I don't think there's any reason for that. Oh, I, don't, I agree 150%. And, uh, and I, think, I think they will have an effective running game uh, as this season in, plays out. Yeah. But uh, – we're a long way from even the start of preseason <laughs> camp. Well, we've only had three practices. Exactly. But it feels like feels like thirty when you barely get to watch them. Right? But they've got three practices out of out of fifteen already in the books for spring. I mean, you know, and one of those fifteen is your spring game, so or whatever they're going to call it this year. So, I mean, it's it it moves quickly, man. And what I what I am impressed by before we break up here, uh, this is the way I would coach also is, and I think Ryan Day has this approach. It appears. Every rep, and it seemed like Urban had this approach for the most part, you want every true rep to be full speed because that's the way the game is played. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you know, you see some teams out there and they kind of lollygag around and just, you know, you want every – because that's – you know, you want to simulate as close as possible the quarterback having to make his quick read and throw in here like right on time, et cetera, seeing things as they actually happen in real time. And, uh, and that's more and more, I think, what you see. These practices are – Fairly short. I mean, two, two and a half hours. But they, I think they pack a lot into them, especially these last many years. Uh, they seem to be very efficient in that regard. I think – I can't remember if it was Kevin Wilson or Ryan Day or who, or who it was. But, you know, they obviously want to teach. They want You have to install. You have to instruct. And that's not easy to do. And right. Lot, and I think I remember watching earlier in, in my career covering college football – you'd see that more on the field and you're like, okay, well, this is where we're going to look. This is the read. Things would stop through it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, but that's not the way this team practices. They, they want you to be prepared in the meetings so that when you get on the field, you're getting the live reps. And that's the only way to really, right. You're not going to get anything out of, you know, well, if the linebacker goes here and if we get this coverage, like you need to see what that live bullets are like. And that's even when they don't have full pads on those two, two hours and 15 minutes, two hours and two and a half hours when they're going, they're going, they're not stopping to point things out and, and walk from drill to drill. They're, the time for that is in the meeting. Or if you have a walkthrough, uh, you know, other life practices, these 15, they can't afford to waste that time. And they right. don't. 
Right. It's exactly. a great point you make. I mean, that's their uh, practices are, are different. By the way, one other quick point I want to make. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was leaving the parking garage, and I was coming down, and, and you go down, and you make a left turn, you know, and you keep going around and around like a like a – like a, a mouse in a turning wheel. And I came in and all of a sudden there was somebody right in front of me. I'm talking about a person, two guys walking and I had to hit the brakes and you know, you don't anticipate. And so I apologized profusely to the, to one of the guys who ended up being really close to my bumper when I stopped, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. And then I started thinking, why did I apologize? He's walking down the middle of the road <laughs> in a parking garage. So you're, you know how you, your first take on something and then you think about it, and no, he should have been apologizing to me. So you are using your <laughs> podcast to rescind your apology. I'm rescinding that apology. From almost hitting yeah. somebody in the Kind of like a Larry David thing, I, probably. This, but This is a Curb episode yeah. right now. I love but, it. But, I mean, I was just going to keep thinking, why did I apologize? That guy put himself in jeopardy, and then, boot jeopardy showed up. Boy. But, uh, hey, that's the way it goes, man. Starting Stay with out. you giving a check to charity and ending with you yeah. rescinding an apology. This yeah. Is, this is why it's the greatest podcast yeah. on the airway. All right I'm now. saying is if you hear wheels squealing in a parking garage, get stepped to the side. That's all I got to say. <laughs> but, ladies and gentlemen, that's the end of the, yet another Tim May podcast. We'll be back next week. Ohio State had the week off this week uh, for spring, uh, spring what? break. Spring break. Uh, I-, I hoped everybody uh, wore a mask on those uh, plane flights home, et cetera. Don't uh, go back. Uh, yeah, you got certain spots like uh, – you didn't want to send G. Scott back no, to Seattle right now. No, right? exactly. You know, so we'll see. You know, we'll we'll kind of get a, a census on that. You know, uh, next week, uh, Austin. That'll be sort of our. We might might not want an open practice well, if you know what I'm saying. And you talk about the spring game. I mean, that's a yeah. Ohio State's going to have to think about that. Oh yeah, April 11th. You want uh, whatever the capacity is going to be with whatever construction projects going on yeah. now. Like yeah, 80, 70, 80. 90,000 people in the shoe in April. Do you want that right now? Well, how about March Madness? I mean, March Madness could really end up being March Madness. if uh, I think there are a lot of decisions that are going to be made by people in charge, so to yeah. speak. And, uh, you know, there's no more of this Kevin Bacon all is well. I mean, uh, it's more of, you know, hey, let's be cautious here, right? Yeah. I but think anyway. Ch- Chives is nervous about some of those sites. You- I, I would be if I was Chives. I'd be nervous if I was Chives. There was no coronavirus. But, <laughs> hey, but that's another – that's another podcast for another day. That's right. But until next week, this is Tim May uh, with my buddy Boston. You know him as Austin Ward. We'll see you then.